Hey guys, welcome back to The Green Files. I'm really excited to share with you this Sunday's episode. So, a couple of weeks ago I sat down with Janie and Yoen, virtually of course. We met for the first time on Zoom. Now Janie and Yoen are a young couple who live in North Wales. They have two young kids and they run a family business called Elladir Fencing. And this business is a dry stone walling company. On the side, they sheep farm part-time and they often work with organisations such as the Wildlife Trust. Recently, they have been trying to convert to more eco-friendly practices through their work. Now, Janie went to university, but Yoen didn't. He went straight into work from a young age. This is something we talk about in great detail, as I haven't had a guest at my podcast yet that hasn't had a degree. We also chat about what it's like to convert to more environmentally focused practices, what it's like to reach out to younger generations, and how feasible it is to preserve these practical trades in the green sector. Lastly, we do talk a little bit about how to get practical work experience as a young person. So stick around for all of this and more, and I'll be back at the end for some more chat. Welcome to my podcast. Um, if you want to start by just um, introducing yourself um, and telling me a bit about yourself. So this could be like hobbies, uh, professional backgrounds and where your interest in environment stems from. Yeah, I'll go first. So uh, my name is Janie and I I suppose I am a bit of, I'm that person with fingers in many pies. Um, so I'm a riding instructor and that's my hobby is riding but I also run a fencing and walling company with Johan who's my husband Mm -hmm. and so we've got this family run business and then I sort of by default ended up working in the company because we've got two young children and it made sense and my interest is to do with the outdoors everything and anything outdoors so I kind of began helping him out and then I always have to tell myself to stop saying that I'm just helping Johan out, that I am working within the company. And sort of along with the admin, I go out and do do the fencing work. And I think like it's, it, you know, it has its ups and downs, doesn't it? Like when everything's all in one ball, it's quite hard to find the balance between like work and and life balance and family. Mm-hmm. But it's also amazing because like what we we I think of me and you like we we're learners, we're always learning out on the job and and it's it's allowed us to sort of be create and grow the business together, do you know, share ideas yeah. and mm-hmm. yeah, and we have we've had to adapt for business and we've had to adapt because of the environment and the sort of necessity it is to adapt now you know there's Mm -hmm. no time like the present Mm -hmm. so yeah I've got two young kids Evan who's four and Ada's who who's not quite two so we're busy 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 (laughs) and this is Johan yeah my name's Johan Johan Doyle and I'm uh, the director of uh, Little Fencing Limited which is our fencing and countryside management company um, so I've been self-employed really for yeah 13 years now, and I went directly from school into being um, yes yeah, so a self-employed sort of. I started so by trade I'm a dry stone waller, mm-hmm. and uh, and I had to adapt the business due to the area that we're in and you know being very agricultural based and also there's quite a lot of construction in the area and um, sort of 
you know, found my way through to, to I guess, I guess where we are now in a way that we refined the business into, uh, you know, to, to be based around machinery and uh, countryside management. And it goes from, our business ranges from purely agricultural to full-on construction. So um, just to give you an idea, so we've, we're fencing in for farms and for the keeping of animals and it right through now to we've been developing quite a bit with um, ground source heating with construction so I think that's the, the new thing that's coming but um, so my background has been agricultural and, and farming mm-hmm. my whole life and uh, we do we also run a small farm ourselves so we have um, yeah we have a few cattle and uh, yeah 200 Welsh Mountain Hill ewes so um, yeah we've got quite quite a lot on our plate and and proof beforehand with that and that's sort of my where my passion for environment and the sorts of the planet came in was um I was a professional rock climber for mm-hmm. quite a lot long time of my life so I spent a lot of my life sort of traveling to different areas sort of you know of the, of the world and, and and also developing parts of the world in a way of in in the rock climbing perspective and um so yeah and so it's all now com- combined to um you know, I sort of have a passion for our area, being in Snowdon here on the foot of Snowdon itself, and um, and see, seeing what how we can develop um, in a probably, I guess, the sustainable is the word of it, but sustainable for everything in a way. So, you know, and, and my motto for everything in, in life is sort of it's, it's a marathon and not a sprint. You know, and so sort of trying to mm-hmm. like be at the forefront, in front of the wave with everything, really, in a way, but also um, sort of finding the balance between you want to be a huge massive sort of all-consuming company or do you want to just you know provide a living for you and your family because we've gone down both routes you know we've employed lots of you know several sort of teams at once down to you know just a just you know me as an individual working and sort of ever-changing with that really yeah. so you mentioned there about having different kind of sizes of of your company is there one that you kind of prefer well, I think, you know, probably Daniel, we're, we're at a point now which we are probably as big in a way of sort of the capabilities of the company, but we've actually managed to refine it back, back down to the, to the both of us now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, sort of, you know, since Janie has been developing far more of the skills and sort of she's also worked on the ground as well, the, the theoretical side of it is sort of, been which which is the biggest thing for me has been has been shared you know by by Janie now understanding sort of the, the fundamentals of each project or or the contract that we're working for and now that we share it together and also and almost like because I'm strange from an academic sort of background and I'm from a purely practical um I didn't go down any academic route at all and you know I have no formal qualifications to, to my name sort of thing in a way and um but it does, it complements, yeah. it, because being academic, you analyse everything and you you kind of find, you think you're finding the best route to do things. Um, you know, like I do risk assessments and, and you know, look into the ground that we're working on, whereas Johan will just go and do it. So we do complement each other in the fact mm-hmm. that I will look into something probably too much and he'll do something straight away without looking into it at all and we kind of have to meet in the middle a lot this might sound a bit controversial but what I've learned from being on both sides is that I think as society we become very paperwork orientated and 
it often doesn't actually get your results. Yeah. You've got to actually put things in place and make things happen, see it for yourself, change things. Yeah. You know, so often you follow follow guidance notes and, and work within guidelines and specifications. But the reality is that specification doesn't always work, mm-hmm. doesn't always um you know complement the land that you're working on achieve what you need to achieve and like more so than ever like for a real silly small example now but when you're fencing you think basic post wire and you're like don't don't um use a tree to tie your fence to you know things like that yeah like, yeah yeah it's something that yeah okay it's in your guidelines and specification but then you have to actually implement that and make sure you work do you get what i mean so it's like trying yeah, to say it well, sort of what it, what it is is that, is that there's a lot of um so a lot of our work is sort of government is, is derived from government grants that have been given to farmers for especially in the past five years has been sort of fencing off areas for letting the land grow sort of tree planting and sort of basically uh, it gives a blank basically that so the government guidelines and, and these grants give a blanket covering of the same sort of specification to farms from here down to Cornwall mm-hmm. you know, and two very different places but it's it's the same sort of format and because it's done by fat satellite and not actually by people sort of scoping it out on the ground as much it it they are trying to achieve the same result but it's actually physically impossible in certain yeah. ways. And, and this is where the sort of the theoretical and the practical sort of like clash in a way mm-hmm. is that um, it just doesn't work. Mm, definitely, <laughs> and, yeah. And, and, and hence hence why academia and sort of practical sort of can work together, especially in our company, is because like, you know, like say I, I have got the way of, of implementing that work, but I can't necessarily implement it in a way that a sort of a you know a, a government sort of guideline format would how you would convey your thoughts to say computers or whatever you know, you know and that is definitely um and also how to implement it in words and sort of yeah in a lot of things but um and and the thing is you know probably like you said like you said at the start is like having to adapt for because these these environment especially work regarding environmental schemes and stuff it changes daily you know like mm-hmm. and 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 also it has to you know and this is a has to be prepared to be changed daily because it just changes you know like there's a new legislation or something coming week by week you know what i mean and, and um yeah it's a and I, you know and you were saying that how now with you, you're looking for you know for work and and, and everything like that it's a, you know it's a very difficult field to sort of get into but almost it's the, the field that everybody will have to get into, you know, because like it's mm-hmm. the main focus of the planet at the moment. And it's the, it's probably one of the biggest concerns and the most important thing we have to deal with now. And, um, you know, and um, it's amazing how far ahead people are as well. But from our point of view, from where we see on the ground is how people, how far people are behind it. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're not prepared for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that must be quite scary to come across in, in like your everyday work. Um, yeah, just going back to what you said about the kind of clash between like the academic and practical side of it. I think that's something that graduates like me can relate to because we're all told at, at school, like what I certainly was like um, qualifications and degrees is going to get you places. 
But when I want, when I decided I want to work in the environmental sector, um, I didn't have any practical knowledge of it. Um, and even now doing a master's degree, it's all online. And I know that's not their fault, but we don't, I don't know if it wasn't online, how much practical experience I would be getting in the field. So I'm definitely struggling with getting practical experience and even like jobs that are coming up with the national trust they want you to have this practical experience. And I just, I don't know where you get it from. And I did speak yeah. to one um, one of my guests earlier on in the podcast series. She has basically done loads and loads of volunteering, um, which is great. Um, and she's, she's doing some right now, actually in the Lake District, but that also comes at a cost because not everyone can afford to just give up free time when they're studying. A lot of people need paid jobs. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's a really important point that you bring up the kind of opposite side you see, was there any kind of barriers to yourself having jobs with not going to university at all? Or is that not something that really came up? Well, that's interesting you saying that because um, from my sort of perspective, uh, like I was very lucky that I implemented sort of my enthusiasm and sort of eagerness to work to get into the industry but i can only stipulate and, and this is the the challenge that we're up we're against now and sort of you know and this is the this is almost what you said earlier with sort of unpaid work like i had to do years of pretty much zero pay mm -hmm. to get into what i did now and and this is the the, the challenge we are against now with sort of employees and, and to, to get um people to work for us is because um it, this, the, the bar is set so high and the living, you know, and people who are in, so, say yourself, are in, you know, in, have to be in accommodation for your education and stuff like that, you know, the, it is almost impossible for you to sort of start from the beginning because, mm. you know, you're, you're, almost, you're almost at your apex of your education in academia. But to get into whatever, you know, be it a building site or, or whatever with the trust, you have to almost, you have to start right at the bottom, you know. And and I think, uh, you know, hence the, how apprenticeship schemes and stuff worked before. It is really, really difficult for people to start at the bottom, you know. And like, um, you know, I had to, you know, I had to do things, yeah, for free for years, yeah. you know, or very low pay to get into it. And it, but that wasn't yeah. necessarily you, you going into an environmental job. That yeah. was your drive to be self-employed, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. That so, and like, um not well last month we applied for a farm so we almost had to write a cv for ourselves didn't we? and it yeah. was the first time for it that it really came to light for me that you were like this is so strange why are we telling these people these things about us and what we've done basically writing a job application because yeah. you've never had to write a job yeah. application yeah. but like that's because of the drive you had to be self-employed yeah. and we are lucky in a way that the work that you pursued has allowed us to go into the environmental sector. Yeah. You know, it kind of is sort of, because it's working the land, that yeah. is how we've ended up there, isn't it? It's sort of by default in a way, and it just so happens that yeah. we're enthusiastic about it and how important it's become. And, but it's, um, and, and I think there's something that, uh, the barrier that I've struggled with, with taking people on for our company is because I find it really difficult that people sort of expect a really high pay grade for a really low sort of experience rate but also mm -hmm. I do empathize in a way that how do people 
get that experience in the first place. You know, like because we've harnessed individuals and we've, we've had people that sort of, you know, come along and work for us. But you know, like Christ, they've got they've got such big living costs and and like the bar is set so high for them to instantly earn a lot of money, which with mm-hmm. something like dry stone walling and fencing takes years of of practicality, especially for a company like us to feel like right, we can get you as an individual and then you can run the, the enterprise yourself as a separate team because. You know, um, the only way that we can, you know, the way that we make make our living is by having X amount of wall put up in a day and X amount of fence put up in a day, and you mm-hmm. know, for for each and individual contract, and you know, and um, and and I think it's tricky for people to think of the bigger picture. Do you know what I mean? They've said, "Well, listen, if I start low here, I could potentially have a lifetime's career in this." And I think I think it's the career business that people have sort of it's changed completely that it's not yeah. you know, um, I think it's quite rare for people to be in one thing for the rest of their life anymore yeah and um you know but I hope it's changing because you know we're the sort of company that would be very eager for anybody to gain any experience you know because we're, we're mm-hmm. we enjoy teaching, teaching. people and, yeah you know it was just like yeah mm-hmm. yeah do you think there's almost like um a, like you were saying there's kind of a change in um people's career options like people aren't choosing one career when they're young and keeping on young people are like almost like pick a mix with jobs like they'll do something yeah. for like five years and then be like, okay it's great i want to try something else um yeah. so do you think it's going to affect industries like yours in the future that people aren't doing more traditional work that's maybe been like passed down in families it's really interesting you asked that actually because we just had this conversation earlier mm-hmm. about how um it was sort of it's such a sort of old-fashioned mentality to not that you know if people choose to do so then that's great but to have one career and to stick to that career forever and it's almost frowned upon if you haven't mastered that career and you choose to have a go at something else it's like well you didn't do so well in that so they're trying something else whereas I totally disagree I think it's really exciting to be able to try lots of different things but it does leave you in that predicament like Johan just mentioned of like how it's very difficult for us to employ someone and to give them the wage they need and also probably deserve because um you know to live and living costs being so high if they haven't spent that time mastering um the work in a way isn't it yeah because these old trades especially like um sort of dry stone well our trades dry stone walling for instance which is the main trade that i'm focusing on Mm-hmm. Um, because the others, the fencing has started to become very mechanised, you know. And um, but dry stone walling, for for you to be a master of the dry stone walling, then then you've got to be in it for your whole life, you know. It's mm-hmm. a, it's, a, it's a lifetime's apprenticeship, you know. And and these are dying, you know. These are f- real, real life dying trades, and and you know crafts in a way that I'd call them same as hedge laying. You know, but that was due to a little bit of, um, but there's a bit of a renaissance in the hedgeling now due to these new government schemes that have increased hedgerow and set aside on, on farms. But, um, you know, dry stone walling has been part of sort of uh, the human, you know, since we started enclosing animals for, for food from nomadic times, you know, um, uh, it's, it's, it's a, 
it's something that it's so basic and and yet so so complex at the same time you know and and, yeah. and also if, you, if you're talking of environmentally friendly and 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 green trades then you can't get much greener than that really because mm-hmm. you know you have no you know, the only fuel that you'd ever use would be you know to get to and from work and then you know the the tools that you need just these <laughs> you know and and um, and but but to become a dry stone wall that requires years of apprenticeship and um mm-hmm. i think people are frightened that because you are on the thing for a long time you know what i mean and and um and i don't blame people for for this because you know um it's you can't not many people aspire their whole life to be i'm going to become a dry stone wall and also mm-hmm. you, you don't become very you know there's no prospect of being being very rich you know I think that's still an instinct that a lot of people have. Is Definitely, that we're gain, yeah. Gain a career that will have security and a lot of money, you know, or mm. security of a consulting sort of, you know, and because it's a living. And I think yeah. that's the dif- defining difference. And I think that should be sort of portrayed across the board when people are applying for jobs or going for a degree or something. You know, do you want mm-hmm. to become an entrepreneur or do you want to earn a living, you know? And then... Um, Mm-hmm. I think because with with me it was definitely just to earn a living and, and and because I enjoyed living in the landscape and you know and being a part of it especially with being from a farm based and you know you do it because you love the way of life not for, to become a rich person and we've expanded our company due to sort of the personalities of the both of us and wanting to refine something you know to 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 become an... and also because when you get a young family and you've yeah. got a choice between going back to work as such or creating something together where you can spend as much time together as a family as possible which we do because the kids come to work mm. then that's how we sort of it, it it's evolved it's not something that happened and was planned or there was no business plan written mm. for mm-hmm. our life or our living it just evolved and yeah. I think like we're so uh, it's so easy to write everything down create a business plan sort of going back to that thing of paperwork and being so reliant on a piece of paper or a method or or mm. however it's presented but actually sometimes you've got to make let things and make things evolve yeah. and and the other thing is not and and this is not throwing it out there for for people but um so i'm 31 next week and um so today is a bank holiday and this is and this is just the perspective of it. So it's just now that we are a point in our career, and especially that I've managed to be able to take a bank holiday Monday off. You know? Yeah. I've probably worked six to seven days a week for the past 11, 12 years. Mm-hmm. And it's just in the past year, really, that mm-hmm. you know, since having young children, that. Janie's like, you know, you don't really have to do that. We have got subcontractors doing it for us. Or, mm-hmm. you know, and and um, it takes dedication, you know, and it takes like a, a manic sort of need, need to to want to want to have good quality work out there, but also just the, the drive to be able to be to be sort of successful for not much in return, do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. not necessarily working seven days a week will give you more return, but it gives you sort of the more the hold or, or longevity. longevity and the skill that people are, oh, listen, we're going to go with that company because, they, you know, they work hard, you know, and, and you do certainly get rewarded to be work, a hard worker, 
you know, not on the price, not on, you know, how much money you're making. You get rewarded because you're a grafter, you know, and especially, yeah. you know, it's it's about respect and it takes years and years to earn that respect and it takes seconds to lose it, you know. Yeah, it's it's funny because a lot of people might listen to this and, and think, oh, like it's such an alternative lifestyle, but really it's it's traditional and it you're um um I don't know how you describe it, but your trade, I guess, is steeped in history. Um so oh, that yeah. it's more normal, I think, to have that lifestyle than to like have all these fancy jobs and think, yeah. oh, success for me is going to be a five-bedroom house and a car and like a five-figure salary because in reality, most people aren't going to get that. Um, no. So, I mean, I, and I guess if you want to work in an environmental job, I think that is often, I think, well, you kind of, your motives to go into that work are to hopefully make positive change. And Absolutely. it is obviously like working in the charity sector, maybe, for example, you do get, a lesser salary um so that's like an interesting cost of working in the green sector that i'm kind of also trying to explore um oh, it's, it's true, yeah definitely yeah um and and you mentioned about um like government apprenticeship initiatives um do you want to just explain what those are and if they're kind of doing enough to kind of engage younger people in this kind of different way of yeah. doing work well i think you can tell it's quite interesting actually so uh, Jane will probably go into the detail, but uh, no, <laughs> it's so, impossible. So, so yeah. I approached, um, there's a lot of government schemes out there, you know, at fa um, aimed at farmers, landowners to fence and tree plant. And that's how our business has evolved to be more focused on tree planting, because you've got to go with the, with, with the wave. But we never set out to be totally mechanised and to have machinery doing loads of work but unfortunately like the the sector where you want to you know we want to grow in what's the word like you know grow our business fencing and walling and we'd love to have lots of people working for us as in bringing young people up through the levels but when I approached approached um okay. local colleges about getting apprenticeships agricultural yeah agricultural colleges the syllabus is there, so again, the paperwork's there, but there's no one to no one to um, to run the course. You know, there's no one there to to. I'm, I'm trying to think of the word that they used, like to sign it off, basically. Yeah. So I then put myself forward to become a trainer, but that's never really evolved. Right. But it's just sad, isn't it? It's something that you think so like relevant, yeah. and there's companies like ours there this was before we bought our second and third post knockers we thought people you know get mm -hmm. people in it yeah. start teaching them walling teaching them fencing because we found it so hard to find people to work within the business that we thought we'll we'll start we'll give them the opportunity so that we're not losing out because unfortunately you haven't got lots of money to um throw at wages if you haven't got somebody completing work and then um, yeah, it was just quite sad, really, and scary that when we approached agricultural colleges that the apprenticeships weren't there, weren't available in in North Wales. Maybe they are in other places, you know, and maybe they're set up a lot lot more in other places. But the, again, the paperwork was there, the syllabus was written, but there was nobody there to, to sign it off. So we never went down that route and we became more and more mechanised, less and less staff. And, mm. you know... Unfortunately, really, you know, as much as we've got a mechanical advantage in the in the in the ground that we work in and you know for the rate of 
how uh, how we need to finish contracts and stuff. If you were to break it down simply, um, the machinery that we have invested in has probably taken the jobs of four people full time, mm-hmm. which is a large amount of people for yeah. a small area. You know, it could we could easily support if we took those machines away and went f- full on sort of manpower or female power. Um, it would sustain four families, you know, which right. is a sad, it's, it's, it's a sad reality of it really, mm. because, you know, the, the advances in the technologies of our tractors and our track fencing machines and stuff, they, they're just, they're just, you know, taking the manpower away completely. But, you know, you, you could, you could still have an outfit, especially from in the places that we have to access, which, which you can only get on foot without any machines or, you know, there is the scope there for, for for young people to have a job. You know, mm-hmm. but they I, and I can really tell you this that there is then there's nobody there. You know, right. there is absolutely nobody there, and we we branch out weekly. You yeah, know, for people to come in, or you know, sort of casual work, or you know, anything. And you know, we've got our accounting format to sort of take people on casually and. And um, you know, and then have both of our group, friend groups and stuff, and it's it's impossible. It's you know, it's really sad. And mm. you know, and um, I, I just feel like, yeah, you know, <laughs> there's not many of us left. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, and, um, and as in from a business sort of perspective, as much as, as a, you know, looking after the the planet and looking after the, the, the agricultural land perspective, you know, what are we become? What is going to come? you know in front of us soon with agricultural and environmental based jobs is going to be massive you know it's the biggest boom i feel since the industrial revolution you know mm-hmm. and that might be a big thing but it's going to be massive you know there's going to be so many jobs in the sector but i feel like there's not going to be anybody that's actually prepared to do it because you could easily write up the jobs to be this manager this do this you know countryside worker here but there's actually no. There's not enough people trained, ready enough to do the change because the change will have to come in so fast. You know, yeah. you're not going to have wallers, you're not going to have hedge layers, you're not going to have the actual people that are going to be the maintaining of the the sort of academic format to look after. Say when they have to introduce more wetlands, when we're going to have to to you know uh, flood peat bogs to retain carbon. It's not going to be people who can do it, you know. There's going to be plenty mm. of people who can give us the syllabus and and the spec to do it, but there's not going to be mm. anybody to be do, to be able to do it, you know. Yeah. Plenty of plasterers, you know, uh, electrician, electricians, gas, all the building trades, but you know that's going to be something that's going to change big time. Mm-hmm. Because we're not going to be able to build houses like we have done, or you know, like and yeah, it's it's frightening it's it's exciting from our point of view because mm-hmm. we've got you know we do feel no one touch wood but we do feel we've got the rest of our working careers and possibly our children if they want to carry on you know because that's something that they'd inherited because you know our, our son picks up stone since he's tiny you know and like and um and we we definitely will always have sort of an open door for anybody that wants to have a go mm. but um so yeah, it's it's a strange one, really. It's a strange one, you know. And and like, I'd, this is what great talking to you. It'd be be great to see who else is out there. Would be, you know, what they're prepared to do from an academic point of view. And that's mm. Yeah. Mm, definitely. And that that's really really bizarre. What you're saying, Janie, that you're reaching out to agricultural 
schools and colleges and they weren't kind of helping you coordinate anything and that the people just weren't there because uh, I can't think of anything better than to offer a college like that um, especially now when people need jobs um, no I mean this was a, this is I was just going to say now in all fairness to them I haven't reached out recently because it almost right. became like a bit of a block wall I thought well mm. I can't keep sort of investigating this and then we did have another child so that sort yeah. of took up my spare time of pursuing it so in all fairness you know we're sitting here with a, a lot a yeah um with yeah. A, you know no, no no but I say in all fairness maybe it needs people like us yeah. to keep questioning keep asking and you know it does take people power to make things happen mm -hmm. so approaching them again like in these last 12 months there's been huge changes and huge emphasis more on the environment and more so on people's well-being and active jobs so perhaps it is something that's more available now and mm. we'll definitely like to be honest speaking to you has sort of yeah. rebooted that side and I'm thinking oh yeah do you know what we do need to pursue that again and look into it and part of our business would be to look into creating um, courses Mm -hmm. what we do you know you know what I mean and, and we would be it for if if we had a you know I can implement a course I can get it done but I you know it's just everything else that comes with it you know yeah and, and we've got the facilities we, we would we just want people to come mm, definitely yeah and um I think well we've spoken a bit about like the future with the environment and the kind of oncoming climate crisis I think people rely a lot on technological advances to kind of fix the problems for us and, and maybe that's part of the strive for going to university is coming up with these solutions academically at a desk um, but you know really it's the opposite and people need to go back into nature and a lot of the solutions are going to stem from more people doing those smaller scale jobs that are more you know yeah. actually on the ground and in the environment definitely because I think I think it's a no-brainer but it's nature that's going to fi fix itself, you know. Yeah. And like we've we've suppressed nature for you know since since time began in human science, you know, and we've we've abused it and we've sort of kept it back. But you know, Mother Nature's got the way to fix the planet, you know, and we need to just let her let her be, and we need to live alongside it, you know what I mean? Mm. We need to live with the consequences that we've created, you know what I mean? And and like. Mm -hmm. Because you know, um, really, we should probably touch on like the like we keep going on how mechanized and how many much machinery we use now. Well, that's not environmentally friendly, is it? Like, yeah. but what what we're doing is trying to do the best we can with that. Like, we're looking turning our machines to bio oil yeah. and reducing the amount of travel to jobs with many vehicles and you know the best that you can do. But it is difficult, isn't it? You've got to find that balance. You've got to keep your business going keep working you're staying live so live alongside nature but you know everyone's everyone's got to do what they yeah. need to do don't they and I, and I think you know i think for the first i think this is what people not yet realized you know and obviously people don't want to think that their lifetime is going to change or their year isn't going to change or the next few years of plans that they're going to change but like um you know, we've got a lot of work ahead of us, you know, mm -hmm. and a lot of physical graft as well as mental graft. There's a lot of physical graft that people will have to do and they'll have to change their lives dramatically, you know. Like, yeah. Um, you know, I think in our lifetime, we'll see the end of, of international travel. You know? I, I mm -hmm. do 
you know, and I, I also feel like, you know, the end of huge consumerism sort of like lifestyle, you know, we'll have to, you know. Yeah. And, and like, I can easily talk about this. It's so convenient because, you know, we've traveled all over the world. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like, you know, we probably have a huge carbon debt to pay. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. And stuff like this. But, you know, we, we also feel morally what we do is, is as good as we can. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing as well for people <clears throat> like this is getting into a bit of a different topic, I suppose. But we're all made to feel so guilty. You know, we're all made to feel like we're such a bad effect on the environment but we're not given the tools or the answers to fix it we're just made to feel really guilty you know yeah and i i don't i don't think there is an answer at the moment and i do think it is like about evolving learning teaching each other Mm. listening changing like i feel like and uniting you yeah i can remember when recycling i was like meh can't be bothered doing that you know and now we're sitting here talking about we must change our ways like Mm-hmm. We we will all do it. We'll all and we need root you know, together. We the, will the boundary between academic and we've we're seeing these in this in our personal farm, you know, because we farm on a very small scale. But we are seeing sort of I'm from a very traditional sort of old fashioned farming background where you do everything on feel, you know. Yeah. Touch, you know? And then now, especially since we've we've recently applied, we've recently doing a huge business plan for a massive scale farm, really in a way um we're learning so much how we need to combine academia with practical you know and this is mm-hmm. especially for the fight for climate change we need to we need to have people telling navvies like myself do you know what i mean and, uh, <laughs> no do this but do that yeah you know? yeah and i can be like oh no actually we can't do that but we can do this you know and and like we need to have in we, it is the combination, yeah. isn't it? It is the combination. And this podcast here, we need to uh, have other people doing podcasts. You know what I mean? Like, and we all unite. Do you know what I mean? And like, yeah. You know, and um, you know, and, what, and whatever comes from from this, you know, from your point of view, was, was with your degree. Like, I think the fact that you've started something to get people talking that means ten million times more. You know what I mean? And like, you know, it's a collective, and hopefully, our generation is is what's gonna gonna do it you know what i mean because i can tell it and this is without without any sort of you know uh, bad feeling or anything but like my grandfather's generation would not do it my grandfather's my best friend you know mm. he's with me every day of my life and he was a farmer for his whole life and stuff he would not be able to do it you know yeah because he thinks that it's just it's not it's not not that it's not important but he doesn't understand it you know what i mean because because He's 80 and he's from the sort of the background of Prosper, you know, mm-hmm. conquer, you know, clearing to produce, you know, to produce more, sort of more, more, more growth, sort of yeah. Growth, yeah, that's the word. Mm-hmm. That's the word. I'd, I'd like. But one of the best yeah. things we did, to, referring back to this um, application we did from a farm, is we were speaking to lots of different people and getting as much help and advice as we could and one of the best things that um a farmer told us was we we must stop thinking that we're going to make or or grow from working the land we must just be the caretakers of the land and Mm -hmm. you know I think like that is one of the most amazing things about having a job that is on the land is like you can caretake 
you know you can put implement that you can say it but you can also implement it because you can take it care take the land can't you yeah, and, look and, after it and everybody can do it from 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 your a garden. large farm to a windows ledge mm. you know everybody can do something it's funny that you say a window <laughs> ledge because <laughs> yeah, yeah you know, that's yeah, all i have yeah. in this flat is a little window oh, ledge please. got some herbs going not very well but <laughs> yeah. yeah oh yeah that's really nice about um caretaking the land as well i think it's nice enough to like appreciate nature as well but also to the notion of like taking care of it i think is a great way to bring people on board um, and yeah, like you say about collaboration, I think that's really important and having conversations like only yesterday, I work at COVID test sites, mm. so not a very glamorous job, but it's great. Cause yeah, I get to talk to people it. from yeah, all yeah. kinds of backgrounds. Um, I was talking to like a young lad yesterday, um, and he was asking a lot of questions about my degree and he just said, oh, okay, so what's sustainability then? Cause I've never heard of that before. And I found it so hard to tell him what it was because yeah. I just had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, um, um, I was like trying to give like examples yeah. of like food sustainability, but I really just probably said the wrong thing and probably confused him. But it was nice that he was interested and that I was able to have the conversation with him about it. Um, but yeah, it, it's confusing. I think the whole climate crisis is confusing yeah. to everyone and what, about what you're saying, Janie, about the guilt as well. I think that can be really problematic. Do you guys have any clarity, do you think, about what the green sector is? And do you think you work in the green sector? Yeah, but yeah. what, like you say, what is green? Like, yeah. and are we in a green job? Well, we've started doing things like planting trees and setting aside land and changing the machines to buy oil because we're going with the motion, we're going with the demand. Like, the demand needs to be bigger, the demand needs to be clearer, and the demand needs to be greater for things and and actions that naturally help the environment. I think yeah. that's where we need to go with it and not think that you get a job that is just that is in the class green. It's yeah. something that you enjoy doing, you yeah. obviously feel passionate about because that's why you've started your masters and started a podcast. But I don't I don't think it's necessarily the answer to anyone's career to find a green job i think it's to yeah. find environmental studies is because you're a passionate person and passionate people are, are listening to the demand did you get where i'm going like it's mm. sort of it's there's no i don't think there's any clear answer because no, really because if you think of it really i think it's more of a misinterpretation from said employer because like you could easily put our company so say if we had a job role now, we need an environmental conservationist. Yeah? You know, it's exactly what we do, but I would not put the job out as that. We'd need mm -hmm. fencing and walling to tap it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Just by a chance that the work we do can, looks after the environment, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, not directly, possibly indirectly, it ticks a box for an environmental scheme for a farmer to get payment. But also building a dry stone wall has a huge amount of flora and fauna surrounding about it. It's a natural habitat. It is a very natural way of maintaining the landscape. It has very low impact. The hedgerows we plant not necessarily will be upkept by the client, but by just having three metres fenced all the way around the farm, 
creates mm-hmm. a huge amount of area for all kinds of animals. But we wouldn't put that job role as a as an environmental conservationist because it almost it almost puts anybody on a pedestal, you know. And I think say the National Trust put in environmental conservationist, environmental manager, see that big environmental word. I think I think that's not important anymore. I think it just mm-hmm. means uh, you need to, your job is to look after this, look after that, or Although, maintain that, that, or manage this and manage mm. that, because everything has to be conscientious of the environment. Be that it's an office job that you have to em- make tea for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, everything will have to be derived. You have to be a bin man, a bin woman, um, anything. Do you know what I mean? And I think this is where it's sort of like it's putting people on a pedestal and possibly not going the right way. Is that it's actually employee employers that need to change what they're doing, I think. And also, like if a building company wants to be environmentally conscientious, they decide to do that because they morally feel like they want to. And then whoever works for them is part of it. Is an environmental builder. You yeah. Know what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Mm. Although we we we're guilty to be within that because not guilty necessarily but we sat down and had a conversation the other day from a business perspective saying that we were going to have a separate branch to our business of um you know environmental paddock services as such like you know we're we're harnessing the environmental emphasis and and making a point of it aren't we yeah and 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 part of it and this might be quite important hearing from you actually is that we also we're people people so we do want to give and we do want to run courses so we have put started looking into running countryside courses and you know it's really open at the moment for suggestions but it obviously seems like something that's quite important because like you were saying you don't know where to source this experience well if we could work um something out where we can run courses of traditional uh things such as stone walling but also like tree planting and you know land management but in an environmentally friendly way well it's all gonna help towards experience isn't it so mm. definitely like market research really <laughs> yeah so i think now as well with the emphasis on mental health and well-being things like that are really great at get pe- getting people outdoors um and i think like more companies should try like even companies that aren't environmental or have a different agenda should kind of be looking at, at sourcing these kinds of days out and I think I think that's quite it's quite interesting that really because you know from from this is just coming from a theoretical point of view because I'm not really sure what jobs are out there or what I mean but but if people are getting more experience like that then surely when they are developing with their degree by their individual traits say to do with environmental conservation that's how they're going to pioneer through to get a a very sustainable job or Mm. very successful part of their their degree and you know what i mean because some people might really take to animals some people might really take to plants some people might really take to the theoretical side of each single bit of it you know and and that's what's amazing about anything involved with green and uh, the outdoors and, and and subsequently environmental thing it 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 has so it's an unlimited infinite amount of avenues you yeah. know and i think that you know if people can just see just just have a little snippet of each 
then mm-hmm. there's going to be millions of jobs for everybody, you know, in a very, in a really like, con- you know, conscientious way. And, you know, the, the, the doors are just, you know, the amount of doors that are there are just infinite, you know, like mm-hmm. if they want it, you know, and if people look for it. That's a good way of putting it, actually, because I almost feel like overwhelmed with the question of what's a green job or environmental job. I'm like, what is it? What is it? I, I need to know. I need to know. But and I'm no scientist. I don't think it's yeah. that. I don't think no. it's that clear, is it? That no. you know, I think it is just lots of different jobs. And I think and I'm no scientist. And, you know, hopefully I'll, uh, somebody might correct me if I'm wrong. But I think if we all did something, I think we'd sort it out. Mm. <laughs> Make it happen, yeah. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I will ask you guys the same question that I, I ask kind of every guest I've had so far. Um, and I think it rounds up the episode in quite a nice way. So I basically think that whatever the green sector is, I don't know, it doesn't even exist, who knows. But um, I think a lot of the jobs require people to have a kind of strong set of values that they want to keep in their work as they go forward. Um, so what kind of, you can answer this, I guess, as a pair or individually, um, what values do you bring to the workplace every day? That is a good one. I think that sort of touches on the, the whole, like I talked earlier, that you've got to be a conscientious person to even begin to think that you want to work environmentally friendly because Mm -hmm. it is a decision isn't it it's not a job role that you fall into it's a decision that you you have to be conscious that you make although you might be doing it anyway in in the work that you do without really realizing you do have to consciously make that decision so I guess making a decision to help anything and on this point is in the environment, is that you've got to care, you've got to have a caring element to you where you, you're you conscious of the consequence of your actions, you know? Yeah. And you've got to be driven. And um, this is one thing that I find quite challenging is that I like there to be an answer. And I guess that's my academic side. Like I like there to be X, Y, Z makes C whatever you know it and I think you've got to be patient I think wanting that answer isn't something you're going to get you've got to just plod along and Johan always reminds me it's a marathon not a sprint so everything that we do in our working life our family life is marathon not a sprint and I guess that's a trait that you have to carry forward in in the work that you do um but yeah I, I guess sort of you you've got to you've got to want to learn as well you know there's a lot of changes going to happen and we're at the very very early stages of 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 yeah of of a change isn't it you know so you've got to want to learn you've got to be open Mm -hmm. i think from my my point of view is like as much as i have a moral i feel like i have a moral obligation to do a you know as clean living as possible but one of the biggest things for me is and this is comes from my climbing background is that um you know the, so there's a for everybody that's in done any climbing rock climbing themselves or whatever so there's a discipline within climbing which is very sort of like we call it like alpine style and it's going up really big mountains really difficult climbs as light as possible and as fast as possible and usually you're going as light as possible and as fast as possible means less impact you, you hardly touch the rock you hardly touch the mm-hmm. snow and i implement that in my work every day and i this is how 
you know, I probably don't make massive, <laughs> vast amount of money. I probably make a loss <laughs> in some jobs. But I try and do them as best and to the most finite detail as possible. Mm-hmm. But I also try and eliminate a lot of different things every day and also try and do them as, as well as I can, you know. And this is how I change my everyday life is how can I better? How can I do better? You know, and then in my opinion, how I can do better is use less chemicals, use less fuel, you know, less impact on the ground, um, less impact on the environment. And all of them actually have a huge sort of um, financial implication, you know. And this is what people need to remember. If they do all that, then it's far cheaper to run a business like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's far better, you, you know. You know, and like if you use less things, it, less industrial com- components, then you actually put better work out there. And it's actually, yeah, far more profitable, you know. And um, and and that that's coming from when I was training for climbing and, you know, to train being as strong as fit as fast as you possibly could and actually you know if you really narrow it down to do it as cleaner and as close as to nature as possibly did say without supplements you know without going to an artificial gym just actually being on the rock or on the mountain you were far better of an athlete than you could ever be chemically or industrially you know and, mm-hmm. and it's the same with same with work and it's the same in industry in my opinion if you can keep it as close to nature as possible then the components that are man-made, you know, which are usually damaging to the environment, you don't need them, you know. We, don't yeah. need them. we have often said, haven't we, um, going back to stonewalling yeah. alone is probably the answer. Oh. It's just very heavy going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, we're starting to try to promote a little bit with untreated timber, you know, and naturally mm-hmm. occurring timbers, sort of like using sweet chestnut, which is a naturally occurring tan- tannic acid in it, which is a natural... You know, insecticide. You know, it doesn't it doesn't rot as fast, and it's actually better than you know creosoted or chemically treated timber. You know, and then and then sort of like if you do use just the elements that are actually naturally occurring, then you know can't go wrong. Yeah, you know, it's just a it's a turning circle. You know what I mean? And and like you know, trying go as far away as possible from man-made stuff and go back to just putting rocks together you know, <laughs> you know and, and i think any, healthy, yeah and, 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 and anybody can, and anybody can implement that in their life is all for episode five if you enjoyed it please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts from i just want to say a massive thank you to janie and yoan who are extremely generous with their time and their wisdom and helped me to make this episode happen i also want to thank eleanor for helping set up the interview and for keeping up the great work on the green fast instagram page go and give us a follow for updates tips and sneak previews the handle is at the green Files podcast If you think you would be a great guest or you know someone who will, I want to hear from you. You can get in touch by messaging our Instagram page or you can drop us a line at thegreenfastpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you later.